1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. This is a short passage. It says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much this morning that you are with us. We're thankful that you have preserved your word in written form for us to use through the ages, God, and that we can apply it to our lives and that it's still relevant in this day and age, even though things seem to be moving so fast. In Jesus' name, amen. I want, as it's coming into Thanksgiving, and it's probably passe, but I just feel it's important, especially this year as a young congregation, that we just focus on the seasons as we go through our, our, our messages and our Sunday services. So this is a Thanksgiving message that I want to share with you guys today. And I title this message, The Attitude of Gratitude. All right, that's easy. Everybody's probably heard that before. You've probably told your kids before. Quit complaining. Have an attitude of gratitude. And that's what I want to share with you guys today. Because choosing an attitude of thanksgiving is what will lead you further into the fruits of the Spirit, such as peace and joy and patience and long-suffering and things like that. A lot of that can start with our attitude, and our attitude has to start with thankfulness. We all have so much to be thankful for, don't we? So much to be thankful for. But it's also easy to forget what our blessings are or where they came from. And so I invite you today, this morning, to listen in deep, and as you go through this next week, to begin to practice and apply an attitude of gratitude in your life. You won't be wrong. You won't go wrong if you do. And so to cultivate an attitude of gratitude, we have to start out with the mindset that we're going to be cheerful no matter what. All right? And that that's um that comes out of the message and I forget where I got it from, but be cheerful no matter what. And actually it comes from from uh, our passage we read this morning where it says rejoice always, pray without ceasing. The rejoice always, he kind of translated or, or applied differently. He said, be cheerful no matter what. And so we got to look at the aspects. What does that mean, no matter what, we're going to be cheerful? Well, that means we're going to be cheerful when things are good, right? Right? we got to be cheerful. And it's easy to be cheerful. When you're walking down Easy Street, it's so easy to be cheerful. It's easy to feel like everything's going your way, everything's good, everything's awesome. But it's important to recognize why things. And it's easy for me, and it's probably easy for you too, that when things are going really good, that you get into this mindset where you're going to be complacent, you know, where things are going really good, I don't have to, you know, press into God as deep, things are going awesome. Or you just forget immediately, like, what he has done. This microphone is getting me, it's going nowhere. Anyways, be thankful for him what he's done, and you forget to apply that into your life. And you start to just in your own mind, and I do this all the time, that you've done it on your own. Because it's going so easy. You've done it on your own. You didn't have a hand in it. But when things go bad, then we go to him and say, well, I need your help. I need your bailout. And that's that, that's that second part. is we, we, we praise him. We should praise him. We should acknowledge what he's done in those seasons of good. And we look back at the bad and we see the good and go, thanks be to you, God in heaven, maker of everything. My life is in your hands. And in the bad, we should strive to find the good in all of our circumstances. Because in everything that goes on in your life, 
there's good in it. You know what I mean? Just even this morning, I was talking to one of the little guys, and he said something about how he doesn't want to die. And all of us probably feel that way a certain way, that death is scary. And I told him, I said, well, Paul told, told us that to be absent of the body is to be present with the Lord. To which he said, Paul who? <laughs> Paul Simon. No. Uh, <laughs> the Apostle Paul. He was like, oh. Well, he did. He told us, you know, and that's, that's that attitude. Like, you look at the bright side of things. I listen to the uh, Focus on the Family podcast every morning. I listen to it on Sirius XM on the way to work. And, um, you know, they talk about a lot of different stuff on there and regarding family, relationships, you know, stuff like that. And I, and I enjoy listening to it because it has application for my life sometimes. And when it doesn't have application for my life, I get stuff that plugs into me that I can share into other people because that's part of what I do is I minister to people. And if I got stuff to fuel and give to people, so I like to listen to folks on the family for that. But this lady in particular that they were talking with, um, she's like CEO of some major ministry. I forget what it's called. And you might have heard it this week if you listen to folks on family. But she was in a situation in life where she had a lot of things going on. But one day she ended up in extreme pain in her abdomen. I mean, just extreme pain. And you guys know what it's like when you when you have physical body pain and you just feel like you can't go on or whatever that. One of the first things we do, and we should do, is pray to God, like, take away the pain. Take away the pain. You know, make it feel better. Make it feel better. Well, and she was praying those things to take away this pain, but eventually she decided, you know what, I, I need to go to the emergency room. This is bad. And when she got to the emergency room, the doctors took a look at her, and they did a cat scan or, or whatever they did. They scanned her cat. And um, they didn't scan her cat. They scanned it. But... Um, they found out that her intestine, her large intestine had separated from her body the way it's supposed to be connected. And that it had twisted and pinched and that all the circulation from her, her large intestine down to her bowels had um, been cut off from blood circulation. And so it was dying. And they were like, you know, you are so far distended, it should have burst by now. And if it burst, you probably would be in danger of dying. You gotta go into surgery right now. So they took this lady into surgery. And this is, this is after finding out some, her husband having some infidelity and just things falling apart inside of her, her life. And she, she goes and has the surgery. And fortunately, she's not one of the people that has to wear the bag, you know, the, the gross bag. And, but she, she gets, you know, the doctors heal her through that, you know, through the medicine and stuff like that. And God had a hand in it too. And she was praying to God about, like, why is this going on? Why did I have to go through that? And why did, and he said, you know, he decided to speak specifically into her life about one aspect there. And it was the pain that she was going through in her body. And how she was asking for him to remove the pain. And he said, what would have happened if I would have answered your prayer exactly the way you would ask to remove the pain? He didn't ask me to heal you. He didn't ask me to take care of what was going on. You asked me to remove the if I would have just removed the pain, he said, you, he said, you may have been dead. And so in the light of that circumstance that she had gone through, she found out that, you know what, that, that was rough. But I'm thankful for that pain. I'm thankful that God gave me that so that I would know, hey, I need to go to the doctor. Something's up, you know. So she found the thankfulness in something really bad. And so when we're going through something really rough, 
something really harsh, something that we can't handle that's bad in our lives. We have to strive to try and find the good, to focus on the good. You know, it's like um, I have an itchy back. I work in the Trona mine. And Trona, I don't know if you guys know Trona, it gets turned into baking soda. And that stuff will just, well, what do you use salt for? You make jerky with salt, right? It will suck the moisture right out of your body. So you work down in there all day and you get dusty and stuff. Your skin is really dry. And one of the parts I have the worst part with is my back. Because I'll get the dust down my back and then I'll sweat a little bit or whatever working. And it just dries my back out terribly. And it's itchy, 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 itchy. So I always like to just, I'll bug him, you know, I'm like, scratch my back. Scratch my back. So she'll scratch my back. And it's like, you don't know, give me a back massage. And the last time you gave me a back massage, you're not supposed to scratch your back. You're going to need to take out stretch. But anyways, that's another story. We won't go there. But, you know, but for me, everything on my body is fine. I'm a healthy guy. I'm, you know, I, I think I'm healthy. I gotta, I'm getting a little bit of a pot, but that's okay. You know, people bring good food to church, you're going to have a pot. But when my body is healthy, what do I focus on what bothers me? And it's easy to focus on what bothers me. It's easy to look at that, you know, the thorn in the flesh, like Paul said. That's the focal point. But we got to turn our lives and try to really focus on what is good. You know, I got poor health. You want to focus on that all the time. And I'm not talking about me, but I'm, I'm using third person. I got bad health, and you want to talk about the bad health, and you focus on the bad health, you focus on the pain. But then you got to look at the good side. Like, you know what? There's people that are caring for me. There's people that are watching out for me. My bills are paid or whatever. We have to focus on those things. And that's what I want you guys to do with the paper this morning that the kids handed out to you, is I just want you, while I'm, while I'm here and I'm speaking, to just write down three, five things that you are truly thankful. It helps you focus because an attitude of optimism and an attitude of thankfulness will lift your spirit. And we read in Proverbs 17.22 that a merry heart does good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. When you are thankful, when you have that attitude of gratitude, when you have that, I'm going to be thankful, I'm going to focus on the things that are good in my life, it can serve as healing medicine for your soul. It really can. You know, but if you just want to dwell, I mean, I work with, and they're old guys usually, but everything you talk about is something, oh, yeah, it's terrible, you know, or or um, I won't mention his name, <clears throat> Ed, but anyways, um, go camping, and, and you're in the beautiful forest, and we're all focused on the fact that the ground isn't level, or it's too rocky or something. You know, I mean, people that are like that, but when we focus on positive, man, medicine for the body, medicine for the soul, you know, laughter, thankfulness, gratitude makes you just feel so good. All right. We can all find things that are negative in our lives. Even if things seem to be going really well, you can always find something in your life that's just not 100%. But we can also find something to be thankful for in our lives. Dwell on those things. Cultivating an attitude of gratitude begins with being thankful. And I learned from a dear friend, pastor and mentor, to do what I asked you guys to do this morning on that list. Because he's like, you have to list that stuff. He's like, when you start to list it, then you apply it into your mind, you apply it to your soul, and you start to build on it. 
and be writing thankful things into your journal or writing thankful things into your announcement on your church bulletin or or making sure you just are really remembering and dwelling on those things to be thankful and listening. He said, list, 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 list. And you know, I practiced it and it made such a difference for me to really be focusing on those things. We're not in charge of our destinies. In all situations, good or bad, it's easy to think on things of, what can I do to make things better? I'm blessed because I made it happen. But being intentional about thanking God helps us recognize that He is in control. He keeps us from, or it keeps us from boasting that we did it on our own, and it provides, He provides all that we're blessed with. So we gotta remember that He is the one to be thankful, thankful to. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows, James 1.17. And having an attitude of gratitude, as we read in this passage, verse 18, it says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Having an attitude of gratitude is truly God's will for our lives. Can't you, can you say an amen to that? Because it's true. It's true. You know, he wants us to have the attitude of gratitude. That's his will. He doesn't want to see any of us live lives of misery. Have you, oh, I've already gone here a little bit, but have you ever been around that person that is negative about everything? That is a grump. That is not a life that is lived the way God hopes for our life to be lived. He wants joy for our lives. I mean, he gave us the ultimate joy and hope right there on the cross. That's what he wants. He wants to see his kids happy. He wants to see his kids joyous. He may allow us to walk through some stuff. And I mean, as I've been here longer and longer, I've started to see some of the stuff that people have or people are walking through. He walks us through some stuff. Man. But as he walks us, walks us through that stuff and he has us go through that stuff, he walks with us. In all circumstances, he walks through us. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Psalm 23, 4. And I'll bet there's a lot of you guys in here that are like reciting Psalm 23 right now, but it is so true. When you're walking through the land that is minimal on hope, he is walking alongside you. Just like that old footprints in the sand poem. He's walking with you, and when it's too much for you to walk, he picks you up and he carries you. He is with you in all circumstances. Acknowledge it. Rejoice in all things. Find comfort in knowing that he's there. Trust his presence in all things and trust that he knows what he is doing. And in order to rejoice in all things like that, we should be in prayer. And I want you guys just to flip over to Philippians really quick. I want to read a short little thing to you. Philippians 4, chapter 4 and 8 and 9. So Philippians 4, verse 8 and verse 9. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good report, if there's anything, virtue, 
And if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The focal point. Focusing on things that are praiseworthy. Focusing on things that have virtue. All the time. That means in all the time we need to be in communion with Him. And communion with Him starts with prayer, doesn't it? We should be in prayer with Him. He doesn't mind when we bring our, our, our list of things that we need help with at prayer. That's part of what prayer is. We pray for, you know, Aunt Susie and Phil and good. We pray for, you know, God, I need a raise. All that stuff. He wants to hear those things. But we need to be rejoicing in Him too. And we need to be in His presence. We need to be in presence with Him corporately, which means as a church body, as a family, we need to be together in prayer, lifting each other up and praising Him in prayer. But we also need to be with Him in personal prayer. And this is the one where I mean like talking focus. When you sit, I get up at 5.45 in the morning and I got 20 minutes that I can sit down. I read my Bible. I get a chapter and I just pray to Him and I write in my journal because I'm a journaler. That kind of time when you have that focused personal prayer where you can do that and you can talk to Him. But it's also time for me to drink some water. But it's also having that daily connected talk to the Lord in prayer. You guys know what I'm talking about? You know the one where like when you're going through your daily life and you're just like, oh, thank you, Lord. Or you're like, you're just like, yeah, you're just having a conversation with them. Like they're like helping you build the desk or whatever you're doing or at work. Where you're just connected with them. Those daily aspects and maintaining an attitude of gratitude. With them, you know, like, and just talking to them regularly. We have to do that because... It helps us cultivate that attitude with Him of gratitude so that it produces joy in our lives. It has to be regularly exercised. It has to be our perspective. Years ago when I was a little guy, um, I was probably like Silas's age maybe. I went to a birthday party. And it was actually about this time of year. And we got party favor bags. You know how kids go to a birthday party and they get little party favor bags and they get a hat and they get a whistle or a matchbox car or something. In this party favor bag, they gave out pencils, little jazzy pencils. And we're all goofing around and this little girl stabbed me in the eye with a pencil. <laughs> and it scratched my cornea. And so because of that, my, my eyes tried to compensate with each other because it kind of messed up that cornea for a while. So I ended up with the good old glasses. Because right here, I can see you guys all right, but if I relax my, but I'm having to work my eyes. If I relax my eyes, I lose focus on you guys. It's not a very powerful prescription, but it's enough to keep a headache away. And so I have these. But also, when I go outside and I'm fishing, I gotta put on my Michael Jacksons. And no, I don't wear these regularly. But I do look cool in them, don't I? But I do, you know, I wear my sunglasses. How many of you guys that fish or gals that fish wear polarized sunglasses when you fish? Why do you wear polarized sunglasses when you fish? But you can see what's down in the water, right? So you can see the fish. Right? I wear polarized sunglasses when I fish too, so that I can see the fish down in the water. We have those different glasses that we put on. This changes my perspective of how I see Grace, not like spiritually or anything like that, but just how I see her right there. Right there, she just looks a little bit blurry. Here I can see her, and I can see she's smiling, and she's got a nice dress on, and, and I can see John better, 
And if it was really bright out here and it was bleached out, then I would put on these sunglasses and I'd be able to see you guys a little bit better without squinting. You know, when I go down in the mine all day long, it's dark, of course, and we have our little lamps that we wear on our heads. And when you're down in the mine for eight hours, your eyes are adjusted to nighttime. And when I come out of the mine and I get take my shower and I get ready to go home and I go outside, it's like, whoa, glory to God, you know, because it's so bright. And so before I go outside, I put on my sunglasses. We use those different glasses physically in life because it changes our perspectives, right? Sunglasses change our perspectives in the sunlight and help us to see things better. Or when we go shooting, we wear the amber-colored glasses because it helps us see a little bit better our targets and things like that. And we should be wearing safety glasses anyways when we shoot, even though we all don't. And some of us have, you know, an astigmatism or they're nearsighted or farsighted. We wear these glasses to focus in our perspective so that we can see or we can read or we can be able to drive or whatever. Physical glasses change our perspective. Spiritual glasses change our perspective in the spiritual realm. And a lot of us, a lot of us are walking around like I am right now, hoping I don't fall off the stage without my glasses. My perspective is gone because the only thing in the spiritual world that I can focus on in perspective is the negative. That's the only thing my eyes can see. I can only see the, the pessimism in my life. I can only see what things are bothering me. I can only tell what really irks me or the fact that you know, certain people aggravate me. That's what I can see. But when I put on my spiritual glasses and I change my perspective, then maybe some of those negative things get a little bit duller or they're not as bright. And I can see the good. I can see the good in people. <clears throat> I can see the good in my life circumstances. I can look around people and people being people and go, man, they're good people. Or, you know, even, man, I, you know, I've, I've met people over the years that are just some greasy dudes. You know what I mean? They look like they fell down a tackle box. You know, piercings all over their face. And that's okay. Those are good. I can see the good in people. You know, there's people out there that could look at a person like that and say, that's a person that doesn't belong in the kingdom. But when you have the positive glasses, you can see the good in those people. You know, like, yeah, that guy might look like he fell down a tackle box. Well, man, he's a good dad. And he's just a good guy. And I want to spend some time with him, you know? He's a good person. We change our perspective spiritually when we put on our corrective spiritual glasses and we can look at the positive and we can see the positive. Looking at that good in life turns sorrow into joy. Here's an example. And actually I was talking with uh, Natalie yesterday about it. Was um, When we got called to move up here, all right, we grew up, we, me and Kim grew up in Sweetwater County, Green River, 12 miles to the east is Rock Springs. Rock Springs has um, Jimmy John's. Rock Springs has, um, what's that one that Elijah, like Cafe Rio, right? They have Super Walmart. They have Albertsons for your meats. They have all the conveniences of life, basically, that you can have there, except for J.C. Kinney and her burgers. So you have to go and buy stuff off Amazon if you want to close now. But we grew up with those things, and then they move us up here, and we got Midway Mall. All right? And now I am thankful for Midway Mall, for the most part, because Midway Mall has just about everything you would ever want, if you're willing to pay for it. <laughs> if you're willing to pay for it. Case in point, 
That thermostat, I had to buy an emergency at Midway Mall, cost $100. You go to Home Depot, I had the same thermostat in the house in Green River. It cost me $25. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. But I needed to heat the church, so I had to buy one, and I forgot the last time I went to Rock Creek. But anyways, there were a lot of things that changed as far as how we lived our personal lives. And one of those was, you know, working in the Toronto mines, when I go to work in the morning, when I lived in Green River, it was 26 miles from my house to the plant. So 52 miles round trip. And that's a pretty good commute. That's a pretty good distance. When I moved to um, La Barge, it's 57 miles from my house to the plant one way. So 114 miles a day round trip. On top of that, because I didn't want to do that five days a week, I decided we're moving to La Barge instead of having 89 miles because it's 22 miles from Big Piney to uh, La Barge. I didn't want 89 miles, or 79 miles, I'm sorry, I'm doing the math wrong. 79 miles, I wanted 57 because, well, I'll only be at the church one or two days a week. Well, no, I'm at the church four days a week, so I drive that several times a week. And so I bought a little silver car and put like 36,000 miles on it so far since January. I mean, I have driven a lot, and I have not taken it on any trips. I don't take it. It goes to the plant, and it goes to the church. That's what it does, and that's how many miles I have put on US 189 and 372. I had a guy we sold. Kim's getting a new car because she's a brat. But um, I sold a couple cars this week on Facebook, and one of them was my little Explorer that I love dearly, and it's a materialism problem I have. But I really like my little Explorer, and I sold it, and the guy that bought it was from Rock Springs. They came up Friday to pick it up. And when he came up, of course, he had to drive past my plant where I work. And he had met me on Monday to look at my truck at the plant because the banks were closed. He just took a look at it, and he gave me $100 to hold it to the farm until Friday because I had beaten people off of the stick because I underpriced it. And um, so he came up Friday with his wife, and he comes into my garage. And the first thing he says is, man, how do you drive that every day? Now, how many of you guys are thinking that 57 miles one way every day is like, how, why would somebody do that? You know what I mean? Well, let me tell you the rest of that story for me because I didn't want to work there. Two years ago, if you asked, asked me what I thought of my job, I hated my job. I wanted out of my job. I was looking at job situations all over the place to see if I could get another paycheck job besides that one. This is, I mean, I was on job networks. Every single day. Like, what's out there? What kind of new job? I need out of this place. I was doing a church work day. And I'm going way long on this story. You guys got to deal with it. I was at a church work day at the Green River Church. You know, one of those Saturdays where you got to go and, like, pick up the leaves and stuff from winter kind of things and, like, wipe the kids' boogers off the walls in the classrooms. I was doing one of those. And there was a guy that worked at one of the other plants called Solvay. And uh, he's an engineer there. And we were working together. And I was telling him, he was asking me how work was, and I was telling him, like, oh, it's the most terrible thing in the world. You know, I hate my job. And uh, he said, well, you know, and I was a surveyor. And he said, uh, well, you know, we're hiring a surveyor over at Solvay. And I was like, wow, I got like 12 years experience in the mines. I'm going to apply for that. I got on Job Network. That job had been posted for like three weeks on the Job Network. I never saw it. I never saw it. You're laughing. You're laughing. And that's fine. Laugh all you want. 
If I would have went from the plant I'm at to the plant at Solvay, I would have had to drive the 57 miles, plus I would have had to drive almost another 25 to get to Solvay. I looked at Job Network every day. God closed that door. God closed that door because there was a little church up here that needed to get open. And so when I get in my car and I drive 57 miles every day and everybody goes, you're nuts. Why didn't you just stay in Green River? I drive that 57 miles and I drive to work and I listen to um, Pastor Jack Graham and I listen to Focus on the Family on the Way to Work and I listen to their words and I, and I do some prayer time and then I drive home and I listen to the message station on Sirius XM or I get on my phone and I, I just need some Bethel. I really need to get in some worship. And I see how much my rearview mirror can vibrate while I'm going down the road with my bass. And I worship the King. And that time right there is the time where I get to focus. That's the time I get with God. Those drives. And so for me, yeah, I can complain about that drive. I can complain about how I have to get up earlier when it's snowy so I can get to work on time because my boss has no forgiveness in me late. Or... I can say, man, that's my time with you, God. I love it. I love that drive. I love go taking that drive. It's perspective. It's how you look at it. It's how you, you take that attitude of gratitude. Because if I would have just quit my job and moved up here, you guys know what the job situation is like up here. Where would I end up? And if I would have ended up in the oil field, would I have been here on Sundays? Maybe not. But God kept me there. And then God said, yeah, I know you're tired of your job. I'm going to set you up and get you transferred into another job. You know what, Zach? I'm going to make sure you make a little bit more money than you were. I mean, so he just let everything line up. And out of that's just gratitude to me. It's just gratitude and thankfulness. And that perspective helps us out so good. So I hope as I've been speaking, you just have wrote and written a few things that you're thankful for. Like, I mean, honestly, I can write on my paper that I am thankful that I drive 57 miles. People are like, how can you live in La Barge? There's nothing there. It's an H-E double hockey sticks hole. I like it. My kids like it. They can get on a dirt bike and head right out from the house and go right, you know. The fishing's way better on the Green River and La Barge than it is on the Green River. You know? We can go water skiing and it's eleven miles to the boat ramp from our house. We can go for an evening if we want. You know, there's there's the good side of things. Yeah. Kim gets a new car so we can pack enough groceries in it now. You know, and we have that expense. Of course, she gets a new car. She's thankful. It's because I'm the one that gets to pay for it. But we share our finances. We work together. She works hard. She deserves a new car. But um, you got to look at the good side of everything. You've got to look at it. And that's what this season is about. And as we dive into Christmas season and stuff, we get into some crazy times, don't we? How many of you guys have remember those Christmas? where things with the extended family were just hectic. And, you know, those things are coming. Or it's just the, the fill in the laundry list of, of what we want and what we desire. When we start out and we're thankful for what we have, we have, our, we have our, our hearts beating, we have our lungs working, we have our Savior who's up on us, we have the Holy Spirit down here working in us and moving amongst us. So much to be thankful for. And I'll quit my rant here.